Hello and welcome to The Green Stream, a podcast brought to you by Sustainable Business Network Detroit, a network of partnerships between Southeast Michigan stakeholders, innovators, and changemakers. Each partner is on a mission to advance and amplify sustainable business practices, and we're here to learn from, share, and help activate a sustainable way forward for Greater Detroit. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And head over to our website, sbn-detroit.org. Now, let's listen in to our conversation with today's sustainability leaders. Hi, I'm Terry Barclay, President and CEO of Inforum and Chair of the Sustainable Business Network of Detroit. And I am delighted to welcome you to the Green Stream today. And I am especially delighted to welcome today's guest, Maureen Krauss, who is president and CEO of the Detroit Regional Partnership, which is the leading regional economic development nonprofit focused on Detroit and the 11 county region. Maureen is an accomplished economic development professional with many years of experience, and she is a powerhouse. We're so lucky to have her in this role. Um, I can hardly wait to hear this conversation today, Maureen. Um, But before coming into this current role, she was the first Chief Economic Development Officer at the Indy Chamber. And um, she has been president of the Michigan Economic Development Association, three terms on the board there. a a Michigan Albion College, University of Michigan background, um, and just one of the most amazing leaders that I think I have seen in our region. So we're really lucky to have you here, Maureen. Maybe you want to add some more color to that. (laughs) Thank you, Terry. I'm not sure. I think we can end right now. It sounds great. Thank you for your very gracious um, introduction. And, you know, the longer they get, as we know, it seems like, well, that means I've been around a while. Um, But, you know, I am a Detroiter and a Michigander. Uh, My time in Indy was an interesting little um, uh, moment to go and, and see what was going on really in one of our competitors. But I learned a lot there too, that I'm bringing back Uh, to our region. Um, I started out this career as an intern in economic development when I was in grad school. So I do tell the interns every year, someday you can be the boss too. Uh, But really, I think learning how we do this work from the ground up and having done this work in, um, you know, Indianapolis, and I had a few years earlier on in Phoenix, you know, you take all those learnings that you have and you apply them to the situation today and as you're looking forward. So um, I love economic development. Everyone who knows me know that knows that this is what I love to do. And, you know, in a product that, you know, Detroit is my home, it's my heart. So to be impactful uh, in this region just means the world to me. You know, <clears throat> I think all of us can feel that when when we work with you and we interact with you. And um, <clears throat> I just want to want to thank you and say once again how very lucky we are to have you. I am really looking forward to this conversation because I'd really like to hear your thoughts on what role sustainability in business plays in economic development and encouraging innovation and uh, driving business growth and attraction. 
Well, and you know, I know that there will be some specific examples, but I would say in general, if you're going to be successful in economic development, you have to meet the moment and you have to understand what the customer needs. We have several customers in our line of work. Certainly the ones you hear about are the businesses that we bring to the area. And, you know, sustainability is increasingly important for our customer. So in order to meet the moment, we have to make sure that we are incorporating those principles into what we do. But we have other customers as well. Um, the residents of our area, the talent, um, it's important that we look at what are the right opportunities for them. So that's very important. And then each of our communities, we have 348 cities, villages, and townships in our region. Our region is comprised of about five and a half million people. So over half the state's population. Everyone has a different value proposition as well. So it's understanding and making those connections. Um, that So, you know, when I look at sort of sustainability as an overview of what we do, it's understanding what that means to each of those customers and how do we integrate that together to be not just successful. Successful is one thing, but long-term success. You know, one more thing I'll say, and I know we're going to have more questions and more conversation, but think about a company coming to invest in our community. They're making a minimum 20-year commitment, right? They're investing a lot of resources to be here. So we need to make sure that we are also thinking about that commitment, whether it comes to location or talent or what other resources we need to bring to the table. Uh, so that is a real broad statement. Um, and I, once again, I know we'll have more uh, so we can get into that, but I think broadly, it really is about um, listening to our customers, plural, and then finding the way to integrate them. Um, so it's sustainable for all for our community, for our residents, and for our businesses. Oh my, <clears throat> I just love um, that focus on multiple cu customers because I think that sometimes um, that multi multiple customer focus is what gets lost, you know, with the news headlines of the yes. focus on the company coming. So could we go back and talk about that a little bit? Because I think that that's really been a hallmark of your work that, that you don't have just a single focus. Um, so can you talk about a little bit more about sustainability in terms of equity when considering talent retention and job creation for the region's economy? It's a, such an important topic. You know, talent is the driver. I say this frequently. Um, people used to ask about water pipelines and sewer pipelines. Now they ask about talent pipelines. <laughs> and that's, a it, good, that's a good phrase. I'm going to use that. <laughs> yeah, and it's really true. I, I mean, eventually we get to water and sewer pipelines. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, companies who are making this long-term investment aren't they're certainly aware of the talent that's available today, but what are we doing as a community to make sure that they have, they have talent for the 20 plus years? I mean, I picked 20. We want them to stay longer. It's not a magic number, but I use it to show it's long-term. It's not a transaction. It's building a relationship. And that's what communities do with businesses to make both successful. And in the end, it's about, you know, every job is important to the person who has it. So when we were formed four years ago, uh, Brookings helped us with um, a metric called pathway jobs. So traditional economic development are judged by jobs and investment. 
you know, and we are focused on business attraction, how many jobs and how much investment do we bring in? We report it out to our board quarterly, we report it out annually. But we also looked at pathway jobs. That was very important to us. So pathway jobs are jobs that do not require a college degree. They pay a sustainable wage for a family to live on. They have benefits and they have a path for advancement. And that is super important to us. It's complicated to calculate it. You know, it's not like a checkbox. You know, we created 100 jobs and 20 were pathway jobs. We use a very um, in-depth uh, formula to calculate those jobs based on wages and benefits and, and who the hires are. Uh, but I think it's very important as a community to ensure that the jobs that we are, the companies we're talking to, uh, the jobs that we're excited to bring in will help our community grow long-term and help our families grow long-term. Wow, um, that's really powerful, a really powerful concept. And um, so appreciate your upfront focus on that and continued mm -hmm. focus on, on that and tracking those metrics and numbers. Um, and I'm also curious, 11 counties, <laughs> five and a half million people, mm -hmm. and and how many municipalities, how do you hone your focus there? You know, mm -hmm. you talked a little bit about every stakeholder has a unique value proposition. Mm -hmm. How do you think about that and manage that? So, uh, you know, first, I think it's important to recognize we are not a region that was formed by a state or federal formula. We're a self-selected region. Um, it's not, you know, different federal or state programs have a, a prescribed formula of what the region includes. Ours is self-chosen. So it was, you know, it's been various things through the years, this region, this Detroit region. Many years ago when I first started, it's amazing I stayed in the line of work, but originally it was called the six pack. And that was many years ago, um, but it, you know, it was the city and uh, five counties around it. And it has expanded through the years. But, you know, when parts of the region said, we think it's important to be part of the Detroit region, Detroit's our calling card. And so when Shiawassee called and said, we find value in being associated with the Detroit region, the Detroit brand, um, you know, we said, yes, that makes sense. Now, are we looking to expand even more? Probably not. It's a very large region. Um, and But we take time. You know, our team members are assigned to individual counties and then, of course, the city. So we spend time going to their meetings and listening to them and identifying what is a priority for them. So we basically do that at the county level. And, you know, it's a region that has, I think, interesting diversity. We have the urban experience, the suburban experience and the rural experience. And so when a company comes in, depending on what that customer wants, we can offer all of those different options. Um, it does take a lot of work. I will say the core team that I have, um, certainly myself and a few others, we've worked in a lot of these local areas. So we have that understanding um, and, and we listen. It's super important for us to do that. You know, there's a lot of, I don't know if controversy is the right word, but there's a lot of discussion right now about mega sites, 
you know, these big projects and mm-hmm. do communities want them. Mm-hmm. We've been working several years with our communities on this concept of a mega site. Clearly there's not 2000 acres available in the city of Detroit, right? Mm-hmm. So it would be in different parts of our large region. But when we go and initially talk to communities and I've done this and I've had team members do it, we start by saying, is this what you want? Mm-hmm. Because it's the, it's the conversation of the willing and mm-hmm. not everyone wants to have a mega site with 4,000 employees. Mm-hmm. And we respect that, right? We don't go any further if the community says, no, not interested, not right now. Mostly they say, we want to learn more. And that's when we really start to work with them. So having all of these communities, I think gives us more great product. And we learn, we've known this for years, but we learn that when we combine the assets of this region, we're more successful. We have more to offer. Um, And, you know, that's what we want is that, you know, sustained economic growth, Um, not one-offs, not one shiny object project, but growth that will bring in other, you know, opportunities with it. Um, That's how we help to sustain our economy. Wow. Um, You said a lot of really profound things (laughs) there. And, um, probably the most important of which is, I, I love to, this is the work of the willing and listening mm-hmm. and asking first. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like your team just does an amazing job of helping, you know, just walking alongside communities as they consider, you know, sort of the pros and cons and mm-hmm. what, what will be involved um, in, in those kinds of projects. So, so kudos to you, you know, one of the things I'm really curious about, because you work with companies from all over the world and Mm -hmm. certainly all over the country, do you notice a different level of importance that's placed on sustainability, um, from the perspective of international or national companies versus Mm -hmm. those that are all already have a base of operations in Michigan? You know, I think um, I would say in the past and even now, sometimes there are areas of the world that are more forward thinking. Um, You know, I'll pick out one, Scandinavia. They always seem to be a step or two ahead of us. Excuse me. Um, Parts of Europe as well. Um, Even Canada. You know, we tend to think Canada is such a close neighborhood, but it is another country too. Um, So we do see that. But I will say, We are really um, fortunate in this region to have a wealth of global companies. So whether we have over 1400 international companies in our region, but also thousands of our companies do work internationally. So, you know, yes, there has been a trend on this, but I think it comes um, from all sides Mm -hmm. in, you know, this forward thinking, how are we really going to you know, incorporate sustainability principles into our company and to be a good corporate citizen, but also to help to retain and attract talent. Because, you know, I hate to use the word generational, but I do think it's something that we've seen increasingly. Companies know that in order to be successful in keeping their employees and 
and attracting new employees. They want to be in communities that incorporate sustainability principles, and they themselves want to be that corporate citizen. Mm -hmm. So it has changed in, you know, I would say the past five to eight years, really. Uh, We've seen the questions they ask are different. You know, when I said from water and sewer pipeline to talent pipeline, they ask us, you know, we get RFIs, we average, I don't know, four to five a week, it seems lately for projects. And the questions can be different. They still ask about power rates and sites. And, you know, we spend a lot of time describing our talent, but the questions look a little more long-term that companies are interested in. And, you know, that to me is a sign that they are looking at a long-term relationship and keeping employees and growing them long-term. That's the kind of company you want in your community. That's really interesting. Um, that's a really interesting insight. <clears throat> we'll have to we'll have to talk more about that because that's uh, that's pretty that's actually pretty powerful <laughs> when you when you think about it. So going back to talent, what role do you see our Michigan-based companies playing in terms of talent growth, particularly in major urban areas like like Detroit? So I can tell you, Cherry, we are winning projects now because of our talent. And, you know, yes, guess what? The world has a, there's a global talent shortage. Uh, So, you know, I think when you look at what does the future look like, sometimes I jokingly tell people, if you have ordered your, if, if you've ordered your McDonald's from a kiosk, you may have seen the future, right? That some things will have to be automated just because there's less people. That was a demographic I learned about in a trend that I learned about in grad school many years ago, uh, that the trends showed, you know, the population in our country uh, certainly was going to decline, and it's not unique to us. So uh, we do talk about talent um, in different ways. I will say what we hear from our customer, our manufacturing talent is very experienced, big asset, It's not their first time walking into a manufacturing operation, right? That's huge. That's huge. Oh, I know. I I mean, you know, when someone can walk in and say, I understand the whole concept of how this is work, how this works. So that's huge. We have lower turnover rates than a lot of our competitors. That says a lot about our talent and our companies that are employing them. But when you also look at talent, We have the second largest concentration of engineers in the United States, second only to Silicon Valley. That number changes every year, Terry. So every year with the, you know, research team, I'm like, do we have the new numbers yet? Do we bounce back up to number one or number two? It's that close. But really, when you think about size of market, it's pretty incredible with that concentration. And, you know, we are creatives here, too. Another part of our talent that people don't get, but it's here, that, you know, when we look at the creative industry here, and, you know, a lot of things do go back to cars, right? But look at the College for Creative Studies and the design work that is done there, not just for automotive, but everything that moves. They do a lot of tennis shoes there too, right? But we tend to um, be very strong um, in that creative space as well. So when you look at once again, diversity has a lot of definitions. One is diversity of talent, 
right? And we'll talk about all the different definitions because they are all important. So we have a great diversity of place in pretty darn close proximity, um, a diversity of talent, smart manufacturing to engineering to design to the trades. I mean, even yeah. largest concentration of tool and die makers in the United States is here. Mm. So, um, you know, that diversity of talent helps companies that don't just want to have a facility every six hours somewhere, but it can be pretty much concentrated. So that is uh, super important to us um, on our talent story. Um, and we tell that all the time to companies. You know, um, I really am, I really like you talking about the longevity, the staying power of the workforce. You know, we have lots of talk about stability of currencies in deciding, mm -hmm. you know, what country uh, to choose for location. And, mm -hmm. and I've often wondered with all of the tumult in the talent markets over the last few years, mm -hmm. when staying power of a workforce might rise. Um, and instead of it being seen as a liability, be, it being seen as a huge strength uh, for, for companies. So it sounds like you're starting to hear some of that when you talk to companies. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because we talk about, okay, we have to keep all the talent here that we graduate. Our universities do better than most of our peer states on keeping talent that graduates. Um, do we want to bring people back home? Yes, that's an important principle. Um, and then how do you attract new talent? We have also a very strong international community and diversity of international cultures here. Mm -hmm. You know, the largest Arab population outside the Middle East. Well, um, are you involved with like half a dozen chambers for you know, you should talk about that. I mean, you personally are involved with like the German. I mean, it's amazing. German, French, Swedish, yeah. British. Um, uh, APAC is a big Asian group. I hate to call it conglomeration, but together. Um, you know, we frequently have delegations in from all over the world. Uh, this week, it was the uh, United Arab Emirates were in our office yesterday. And um, we have had the Netherlands recently and... Uh, Greece. And, you know, I don't want to forget someone, but this is yeah. a constant <laughs> with us, right? But when you think about that, as far as the diversity of cultures, that is appealing to companies and talent. And it is appealing to people mm -hmm. uh, to look at this richness that we have in our community. Um, you know, and, and I described it recently, it's not just, you know, cultural arts, entertainment, food, right? It just makes our region a lot richer, I believe, as a quality of life. And, you know, Terry, the other thing I will certainly address, because it's important, is that quality of life that we will offer to talent. So companies are looking at different things than they did, because it's all about the talent gate. So what does talent want? Um, they like the lakes, they like the golf courses, they like the outdoor recreation we have here in general. We like that we are a first tier community when it comes to museums and concerts. Um, you know, I've lived in other cities that did not have that um, accessible. Um, sports is huge here. 
you know, I won't name the city, but I once lived in a small city, smaller community, college town, Big Ten college town. And I remember this was a defining moment for me, right? The <laughs> Red Wings won the Stanley Cup. I'm a huge <laughs> hockey fan. Do you know in the local paper, it was on page five of the sports page. <laughs> and I remember holding up that paper to my husband and saying, we're not in the right place. <laughs> there you know. Go. But really, when you think about what does talent want, quality of life. And I do think that is one of the learnings out of the past few years with COVID and quarantine is the importance of that, um, having that right quality of life. We have a lot to offer. I mean, I love when I can tell people, you can ski here 45 minutes away. I mean, it's not the Alps. It's not the Rockies. But yeah. you can you can teach your kids how to ski here very quickly. Um, the water, you're never more than six miles from a body of water. Um, and, you know, I don't use the word cheap. It's affordable. <laughs> That's what's so important, right? Yes. It's not the cheapest location, but you can have a really good quality of life here. You know, when we talk about those pathway jobs, you know, a sustainable wage and a sustainable uh cost of living is very important. And so when we talk about bringing back people who have Michigan ties, whether they grew up here or went to school here, you know, everyone thinks, oh, we want to go to the coasts, right? When we graduate, I think they want to come back when they realize they can't afford the house they grew up in. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, when you think about sustainability in your own personal life, do we all want to live in a fifth floor walk up with two rooms for life? <laughs> Right, right. right. Um, so that whole talent piece has become a different story. We at the Detroit Regional Partnership, we are not, you know, a job training workforce development agency. We have staff that serves as a concierge to help companies navigate to find talent because the talent is there. It doesn't always go through the traditional methods, you know, that companies might know about. But we know that if we just listen to what their needs are, dig a little deeper into programs and efforts in the city and the region, we can help companies find the talent that they need. Yes, well said, well said. So I'd like to shift and talk about a couple of specific things, if we could. Um, you know, the Economic Development Administration's $1 billion Build Back Better and American Rescue Plan acts. Yeah. How is that helping support the vision of the Detroit Regional Partnership <clears throat> as a transformational economic program with the potential of, of building new industries or scaling existing ones? It's a terrific question and we deal with it every day. Um, it's, you know, I would say for us, a terrific opportunity to really shine a light on the assets that we have. So we were able to be successful in applying to um, part of this funds uh, for the Build Back Better Regional Challenge. Um, last fall, it was announced that we were one of only 21 regions in the country um, to receive a pretty nice uh, check to do this, a 50, yes. almost $53 million. That did not all go to the Detroit Regional Partnership. I always make that very clear, um, even though we convened this region. And there were so many learnings from it. So the, the funding is to be used 
for what is we call the global epicenter of mobility. We all know, you know, we're all car people here, but we all know this industry, this important industry for our region and our state is undergoing a huge transformation right now from internal combustion engine to electric vehicle and beyond hydrogen, many other technologies. You know, we always said EV and it's like, well, it's really more than EV now because hydrogen's become a big, you know, opportunity for us. So we knew though, uh, you know, we learned a lot. Terry, you and I were both around in 2009 and 2010. We learned a lot. And really what we told the EDA is we want to proactively make sure our talent and our companies are ready for this change. We're not going to wait till it's too late and then need a bailout. So this is our proactive approach to really looking at what are the assets that we have and how can we deliver them to historically excluded communities, um, to people who did not, people and companies who did not have access before. So really it funds six different pillars to help entrepreneurs, small and medium-sized businesses, as well as talent keep up with this rapid change. When we put our application together, my favorite, well, there's a couple of favorites. One of my favorite pieces that we had to film, what are the assets that you have to support this industry? So for us, it wasn't about starting something brand new. It was leveraging what we already have. Our region has over 400 assets to support the mobility industry right now. Wow. How do we help them accelerate, grow, and serve a larger audience? So I'll use one example. TechTown is one of those terrific assets we have located at Wayne State. How do we make sure that the important work that they do for entrepreneurs, especially under that lens of DEI, is available throughout this region? In Flint and in Shiawassee County and in Adrian, throughout the region. That's what this funds is allowing us to do. So we took existing programs that have a proven track record and are using the funds to really expand their work throughout the region, rural, urban, um, the historically excluded communities, small businesses that can't afford to go to a top tier test track to test a new technology for auto. It's, It's all of that. And uh, that resonated, of course, with the federal government. There is a very strong DEI uh, lens on this. Um, there is a woman, I, you know, I hate to call it a specific person, but I heard her speak at the Center for Automotive Research twice. Her name is Elizabeth Griffin, and she oh. was the head. Do you know her? <laughs> she chaired in Forum's Automotive Next Industry Group. Um, she's fabulous. Yeah. She is. And I knew you would know her. I mean, I didn't need to ask that. Of course you would know her. But I remember she said this at CAR and I actually snapped the picture of it because, you know, she worked on talent issues all the time. Very inspirational, very impactful. Um, And the slide she had, which is still somewhere on my phone because it was a few years ago. If we solve the diversity problem, we solve the talent problem. That always stuck with me. And so that's why having this lens on our global epicenter of mobility is really important for a city uh, and a region that has a large, you know, minority population, but also has assets of diversity. It's very authentic for us. We just have to make the right connections. And that's what this whole effort is about. And um, 
you know, it's doing well. We are staffing up terrifically. Our staff is just um, becoming incredible. I just met a new person yesterday. We have three more to add, but um, it's just really smart, forward-looking people who believe in the assets that we have and believe in the opportunity that we will have going forward. So speaking of believing in the assets that we have, um, every time I hear you speak, Maureen, you know, it's just so uplifting and it brings into much sharper focus the assets that we do have, because I think it's really easy to get caught in the cycle of challenging news and, you know, mm -hmm. world events, <laughs> you know, all, yep. all of that kind of stuff and to gloss over all the incredible growth and work and positive forward energy that there is out there. So, so what are the things you're a glass half full kind of person? What are the things that propel you, that give you, uh, make you optimistic about the future of our region? I love that question, right? Um, because I do believe that for many years, we let everyone else tell our story mm -hmm. and we have to own it and we have to tell it. And we are, that's one of our pillars of work that we're doing in marketing is to do that. Um, because, you know, the privilege I've had in my career is I've done this work globally. So I've done many, many, many trade missions all over the world. And in two separate instances in um, India and China, I had community leaders tell me, we want to be the Detroit of India, or we want to be the Detroit of China. And when I hear that, I think, can I bring you home? So we too can believe that, that people look at these assets and find great value in them. So, you know, when I look at what are the assets that I'm most excited about, certainly our talent, you know, our talent sort of combined with that Midwestern kindness, collaborative effort. That to me is a great combination and that we have. Um, the international nature of our region, I think we take for granted. You know, my office looks at Canada, right? And people don't always appreciate that, but you know, it's the over 1400 firms and what they have brought, not just in jobs and investment, but really in culture that, um, that is a huge asset for us. Our real strong um, sense of, you know, sort of that entrepreneurship attitude that, you know, well, if it doesn't work this way, can we make a better widget? Can we make use a technology to do something better? That really drives us in our region. And I think that leads companies to think about what can we do to incorporate this sort of culture for future success? So those are the assets. You know, there are a bunch of little things too. I mean, it's a beautiful state. <laughs> It really is. It and really is. It really is. I do think there's great value in people either traveling a whole bunch or living somewhere else. Um, you appreciate what you have and you appreciate the people. And um, I am not saying anything negative about the other places I've lived. I've lived in three other states. Um, always came home, never going anywhere, period. Travel, I'll travel, but yeah, I'm done. Um, but Really, it does give you that view 
from the outside. So when I'm in India and the people, you know, the mayor of Pune, India is saying, our goal is to be the Detroit of India. It feels really good. And it gives me the sense that my glass half full attitude is the right one to have. Um, and, and wanting to just increasingly tell that story. Um, I think we are at a terrific time, you know, you know, Terry, we've been here a while. It's such a great time to bring in people from all over and show them uh, what has happened. And not just in the city. The city is amazing. It still has things to solve. Every city does. There's always going to be something to work on in every city I've ever been to. I haven't found the perfect one yet, right? Um, but we have that willingness to do that work and to get it done and to really focus on, you know, what is it going to take? Um, who, who needs to be at the table? You know, our um, successful EDA application for the Global Epicenter of Mobility, we had two principles behind that. Inclusivity and transparency. We want everyone at the table. We would have every meeting and, you know, we never met in person. It was all during COVID, but every meeting, I would start by saying, who's not here? Let's make sure they're here next time. We had over 80 people every week meeting. Wow. We had 140 overall who worked with us on putting this together. And our region, you know, we talked about what was terrific, helping to make sure we keep pace um, and look forward for this big transformation in automotive and beyond. It's not just how cars move, it's how people and product move. Um, but it was the fact that our region worked together to do this and found great strength. There were no, no one went rogue, right? We all were focused on one thing. And I am very convinced that five or so years ago, we wouldn't have done this together. Right. We would have, we would have submitted five different applications from our region. None of them would have been strong enough to win. But it was just, it was very rewarding. In December, I was able to testify the U.S. House Science and Technology Committee about Detroit innovation. Hmm. That was, that just personally felt so rewarding that to have Congress people from around the country asking me, well, how did you all work together? And what were the challenges? And, and how did you address those? And like I said, no one went rogue. Everyone was really in it for the whole region. And that was super rewarding. Well, <clears throat> Maureen, um, all I can say is thank you for your leadership. I have a feeling that your leadership at the epicenter of all of this has a lot to do um, <clears throat> with why no one went rogue and your, <laughs> thank you. your, your vision and your inclusive, relentlessly inclusive approach makes all the difference um, to a, a diverse community like ours. So um, really thank you from all of us for your leadership and work and that of your team. Thank you for your vision. And thank you so much for joining the Greenstream today to share uh, some of the things that you've learned. We'll have to do this again in a little while to hear about the progress points. So thank mm -hmm. you. You are welcome, Terry, and I appreciate being able to talk to you today on something that I just think so important for our region, and it's where we're at right now, and it's a really good place.
Well, thanks everyone for listening and joining the Green Stream. Thank you for tuning in to the Sustainable Business Network Detroit, the Green Stream podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to follow us on sbn-detroit.org and stay tuned for more conversations on sustainability from inside and around the city.